You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We're going to continue on in our uh, sermon series and Making Room for a King. It's our week number two of Advent. So last week we talked about what is getting in the way of you seeing Jesus this season. What are some things that might be getting in your way? Um, And so this week as we dive in, we're going to continue to look at what kind of king was given to us. Um, this was a, a, people had waited a long time for this king. There was great anticipation for this king. And I wonder, what do you think that these folks thought this king would look like? Picture this, just for example, picture that you're under Roman oppression. And they are interesting folks, uh, but it's a tough time to live. And you're, you see and you're thinking forward to this promised king, this someday someone's going to come and make all this right. And you and your son are, are just got finished plowing the, the field and you're talking with your son or your daughter and you're like, someday, someday we're not going to give most of this to Rome. Someday we're going to be able to, 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 to have a better life. And someday, you know, we're looking forward to this anticipated king. Our God, the God of Israel, is going to save us. And I can't wait for that to happen. He's going to come in, and these guys have been harsh on us. They've been brutal to us. They've murdered, raped, and pillaged, and just drastically just changed our life. But someday, this king's going to come. And then, maybe that dad dies, and the son's there, and the son's got his son, and he's telling his son the same story but they're still under oppression. It's still really, really, really difficult to be a Jew, to be in Israel. And then that that son dies, and then it's the next time, and that's, that's generation after generation after generation. And so when you read over that story in Matthew 2 and talks about how excited they were for this, this king to, to uh, arrive, um, you know, what do you think their expectations were? If you've been beat down by an oppressive, strong military for generations, what do you hope this king looks like? Is he going to be a cute little baby-faced Jesus? Or is he going to be a brazen person coming in on a, on a horse, and he's going to come in there, and he's going to have lightning bolts coming out of his finger, just boom, 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 and cleaning up all this mess and all this oppression that had happened to you? That's the kind of king I would be thinking. Who's going to come and dominate? Who's going who's to give these guys what they got coming to them? And so I wonder what some of their thoughts were when they received this new, what we would call a, a low-born king. Chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2. The Magi visit the Messiah. This is our text we're hanging out in for these, these four weeks. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, Why? because that's where he was prophesied he'd be born. After he was born there during the time of King Herod, oh, King Herod is ruling over the Jews. He's the Jewish leader installed by the Romans, and he's the one that's kind of overseeing. He's a half-Jew, kind of half-breed, and, uh, but he is not really great for the Jews. The Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. Let's pause right there. Hey, your replacement's here. Oh, I don't want to be replaced. 
I don't want to replace, be replaced so much because I'm a brutal, harsh dictator. I, I'm so petrified about people taking over my kingdom. I killed my favorite wife, Miriam, and the two sons that we had because I thought they were conspiring to take over this kingdom that's mine. And so, yeah, he's disturbed. He's disturbed in a lot of ways. But the next part is interesting, and all of Jerusalem with him. Why would all of Jerusalem be disturbed as well? Well, because they know Herod. They already know this guy is crazy, and if somebody came and said that they're the replacement and it's going to be time for you to move on, then that's going to be more pain and toil and heartache for the people, for God's people. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born, because he didn't know the text, apparently. Uh, They said, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. This is what Micah had written. So they quote Micah 5.2, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What kind of king are they expecting? What kind of king would you be expecting? But we are given a shepherd king. This shepherd will rule over my people, Israel. So let's talk about this. Let's take a look at what they're used to. Remember our King Me series before this series? We want a king. We want a king. Israel wants a king. Israel wants a king. God's like, are you, sh- uh, are, are you sure you want a king? He's like, yeah, we want a king. Well, this is what it's going to look like if you have a king. So let's take a look at the kings that they were used to. And then this is the king they got. And this is going to take us back to, our, uh, to Samuel, 1 Samuel. This is what kind of uh, earthly king does. They're like, you want a king? Like, yeah, we do. Samuel told all the words, the Lord, uh, uh, words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. And boy, did they get the full experience of this. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. And they will run in front of his chariots. Not a good place to be. Some will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties. Others will plow his ground and reap his harvest. And so others will make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officials and his attendants, your male servants and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys. He will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. And when that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer in that day. So they're used to a king who will take and take and take and take and take and take. How about you guys? Do you have any kings that take from you? What are they taking from you? They will take our taxes. No. But when you think about this king, what kind of a king are they anticipating 
versus what kind of kings they have had in history and their family. But what does a shepherd do? What does a shepherd do? What would a shepherd king do who will rule over all of Israel? And we see this with, uh, in 1 Samuel 17 with the story of David and Goliath. Uh, and David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. So we have David as a shepherd and this is going to be a shepherd king. Uh, when the lion and bear came and carried the sheep off uh, from, the, from the flock, I went after it and I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. It doesn't seem like this is a, a taking king. It's a rescuing king. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and I, I killed it. Oh, it's powerful. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. So what has this Jesus, this shepherd king, what has he saved you from? Do you find that Jesus just takes from you and takes from you and takes from you and takes from you? Or is he different? Is this king different in your life? What would your life be like without King Jesus? Where would you, what would you have? Would you have, how would your hope level be without King Jesus? Do you have hope? What about forgiveness? What about peace? See, these are the things that this king brings to the table. He's not a king that takes. Here's what David thought, Psalm 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Man, it feels like it's the opposite of chaos. The opposite of me running in front of a chariot. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Interesting. Let's talk about this rod and this staff of a shepherd. And you think like this rod and the staff, what do you think of? Like in my life, like the rod and the staff, whoo, you had that coming. But shepherds might use the rod and the staff differently. They kind of might like, you know, they're correcting things. They're not there to, to abuse and beat up and destroy their sheep. Their sheep are really important to them. They get clothes from the wool. They feed their family. Like, these are really valuable, valuable, valuable things to the shepherd. And so when you think about the staff, a staff gives rest. How many people are hikers in here? Two of you? Okay. I'm going to start a hiking club at Real Life. So uh, when we would go to Israel and, and we do a fair amount of hiking over there, um, you'd see different folks, and based on their ages or whatever, they might have the hiking, the trekking poles. And those trekking poles take like 30% of the weight off of like your back and your hips and all those things. And they're pretty awesome. And sometimes you just see people, they're resting on the poles. And so a staff gives rest. And wouldn't God want to give his people rest? The staff is our rescuer. Sometimes you get stuck and if, if you ever had to like reach out with something to, to, to get to somebody or you see these videos of somebody falling through the ice and you're throwing out a, 
a, a rope or something to reach out and rescue. Staff could be used for rescuing. That's our defender. Sometimes when the animals had attacked and things were coming on, what, do you, what would you look at if you were walking in the woods and you weren't carrying a firearm and you heard something that was kind of scaring you a little bit? Would you try and grab a stick or something that could protect you? Well, sure. You have this staff and this rod of protection. The rod is also a symbol of love to kind of keep people on the right path. It's a guide to keep people on the path. Anyway, verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What kind of king are they anticipating? We should want a shepherd king. We should have great anticipation for this king because he's a king that provides instead of takes. He provides hope. He provides peace. He provides forgiveness. What other gifts might he provide? How many of you have needed a little restoration in your life? You needed to be restored like serve pro, like something, you had something devastating go wrong and you needed to make it like it was, like they fixed it like it had never gone wrong. And you needed to be restored and you tried to get restored through alcohol and that didn't work. And you tried to get restored through success and that didn't work. And you tried to get restored through so many things until you find Jesus, the restorer of your soul. And so this is a gift that maybe this this king provides is restoration. What about compassion? Jesus saw and he wept is the shortest verse in the Bible. He wept because he has great compassion for his people. He sees you. He knows the needs that you have. Even if you don't know him or you don't spend a lot of time with him, he knows about you. He knows what's important in your life. And he shows great compassion on his people. He's a good shepherd. How many people of you, or how many of you guys are excited about Advent and the season that we're in? How many people are looking forward to family coming and to spending time and like that this is a fun time of the year for you? Anybody got family coming? Yeah. Well, it brings great joy and this is a king, he provides this gift called joy to all of us. And so as you can see, this king is not a king who takes. He's a king who continues to provide for his people. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He, he turned to me and he heard my cry. Have you cried out for, for God? Have you cried out for him? Because he would hear you. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a rock. How many people spend some time in a, a, a muddy pit? Your theoretical muddy pit. Some miry place that was not great. And you were lifted up and you were set on some solid ground. That's what kind of a king we were given. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. 
He refreshed the things I was thinking, the things that I was saying, how I was acting, how I viewed the world. He changed my perspective of that. He put a new song in my mouth and in my head. And he'll do that for you. And maybe he already has. Because this is a lowborn king. This is a shepherd king who comes. And hey, how many of us are celebrating uh, the great day of Herod? How many of us are celebrating the great day of Octavian? A couple thousand years later. How many of us are celebrating the founding of Rome? No? Because those were very, 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 very powerful, powerful, super strong things that we could be like, okay, like there's more evidence of Herod in Israel than there is of Jesus architecturally. He, he made people build all kinds of crazy stuff for him. But we're not talking about, we're not celebrating Herod. Upon his, upon his uh, uh, death, like, they had to buy people to try and be sad for him. They're celebrated. They're good. He's gone. So what does this shepherd king look like? Picture this. So we're going to go to John chapter 10. And I want you to picture this. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. This is the religious elite. These are the people. This is you and me. Like we have a Bible, we've read it, we go to church, we check the boxes, we do all those things. And so Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, the, the, the folks that, that allegedly have it all together and know the text and do all those things. And this is what he says to the Pharisees. And I want you to think about Jesus knowing what's coming, knowing what's going on, and think about how his eyes would be and just picture him looking and pleading as he says these words to the Pharisees. Says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know his voice? Well, how would you know his voice? We'll get to that. John chapter 10, verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. And the sheep, but the sheep have not listened to them. These things that you thought were coming, all these people, they took, they were takers. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They're going to have hope and joy and restoration and compassion and forgiveness and peace. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only uh, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This king wants you to have a full life. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See this this hired hand? These fake kings? This 
hired hand is not a shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons them and, and abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep because those folks take, 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 me, 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 mine, mine, mine. Not this guy. Not the lowborn king. Not the shepherd. Not the shepherd who will rule over God's people. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know my Uh, And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, sheep know their shepherd's voice. There's a story uh, that happened in Israel about, I think it was after the Six-Day War. And they had uh, got together all of their... um, uh, the sheep and we're trying to get these, all these sheep together to protect them from all the things that were going on in the world because this is their livelihood for these shepherds. And the shepherd comes up to this giant sheep pen and there's thousands of sheep in there. He's like, hey, I'd like to get my sheep. And the uh, military guys are like, good luck. Good luck. He's like, well, can I try? And I'm like, if you want to. But good luck. I don't know how you're going to pick who's what's and how, you know, these animals are going to know. So he goes into there and he does his little call voice or whatever he does. And all of a sudden, just his sheep come over to him. And he leaves with just his sheep out of those thousands of sheep. Because the sheep knew who their shepherd was. And so I just wonder for us in here, as we anticipate this king who is different, this king who provides instead of takes, I wonder how well we're hearing his voice. You see, his gifts are different. How do you hear his voice, Josh? Well, you've got to spend time. How do you, how do you know your spouse? Did you just know everything about him the first day you met him? How do you know your best friend? You ask questions. How many people like to ask questions of Jesus? Like you're in that relationship, you're like, okay, Lord, I got some questions for you. And like, how many people expect an answer? That he would actually guide you and take you somewhere in his text and provide you an answer. See, we serve a shepherd king. This is the one we're anticipating is a shepherd king, a king who provides, not a king who takes and takes and takes. So this is the king that we anticipate and that we celebrate is a shepherd king. Matthew 2, chapter 9, verses 10, 9 and 10. After, we're going back into Matthew. I've jumped around. Obviously, we've had a little journey here from Matthew to Samuel to... Now, let's just go back into this as we finish up. After they had heard the king, they as the Magi, they went on their way. And the star uh, they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now I want to talk about this word overjoyed. Um in our sermon club, one of the guys looked, he's like, oh, that word overjoyed, let's take a look at it and kind of break it down. He's like, oh, it's four words. And it means like, it's how you would have felt if the vandals would have won yesterday. 
I was really hoping on Thursday that the Vandals were going to win because it would have been awesome for this analogy, but it didn't. Well, my friend Joe is here. It's how Joe felt when the Montana Grizzlies won. Overjoyed. It's this type of uh, rejoicing with great excess. It is like the Jets guy who like wears all the paint and like screams and loves the, the, the fan for the football. It's like maybe some of these, uh, these uh, pictures we might have here if we have them where you're like, woo, yeah. Like they were so excited. Oh yeah, dancing it up. They loved it. They loved it. Being overjoyed about this king who's coming. Woo! It's like Snoopy. See, that's, oh, sorry. Yes, Santa's here, Santa, Santa, Santa. I know, we could just watch this. He's here, he's here, oh my gosh. This is how these magi felt when they found this king. As they were overjoyed. And when you find this king, when you seek him during this season, and you clear stuff out of the way, you start moving, moving more stuff out of the way, more boxes out of the way, and you start getting, at things, getting it down to the very simple bas- basics of who this lowborn shepherd king is, you too will be overjoyed. And this is the king who provides things that we really need, not what we think we need. And at the end of the day, this shepherd laid down his life for us, amen? And he provided this for us. We're going to take this time to go to communion right now. Uh, if you came in today and you uh, got this uh, uh, communion, it was right as you came in, uh, walked through. If not, Ron or our guys, raise your hand. We'll be more than happy to uh, get some communion for you. We get the privilege of breaking this back down to the king of kings and what he did for us. The shepherd king who laid down his life for all of us. And that's the kind of king we're anticipating. That's the kind of king we get to serve Father God, we just come to you this morning. I want to know your voice better. I want to hear you better. I know people in here want to hear you better. We want to understand you better. We want to be moved to your purposes, not just to our purposes, Lord. Lord, as we think about you as a king who provides, not a king who just takes and takes and takes and takes like people have experienced, we're grateful. And you provided all the way up to your death and you rose and conquered death and you continue to provide. And so, Father, we just come to you as a submitted body. We come to you, the low-born shepherd king, with great anticipation, with great joy. We love you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he'd given, uh, when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body and this is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember you, the shepherd king. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, and uh, drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We anticipate your coming, Lord. Father, continue to work through us.
Let us seek you differently this season. Let's turn it from a season to a lifestyle. A lifestyle of anticipating you and your moves and what you'd have. A lifestyle of generosity as you've been generous with everything to us. Lifestyle of service as you've served us. Give us the same compassion that you have had on your people. Let us be providers of joy and hope and peace because of you. Let us seek you differently this year, Lord. We love you. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.